0: This week, we bring to a close this series on the gospel. And we've taken a little bit of a journey through many doctrinal aspects of the gospel. We've looked at man's response to the work of Christ with repentance and faith and, and giving our lives to Jesus. And, and in the last three weeks, we've been focusing on how God views us different once salvation takes root in our lives. And a few weeks ago, we looked at First Peter, First Peter two, where it talks about that we are living stones, we're being built up into the house of God, where He dwells. But the, the, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at another, some other language, and it was that we are the bride of Christ. He's chosen us to be to unite us with His Son. We are a gift. From the Father to the Son, and, and we are this intimate, we are to be, have an intimate relationship in growing to love him more all the, every, every day. And last week at Easter, we really looked at this idea that, that because of salvation, now there's another piece, another aspect that's different in that we are his children. We're adopted into the family of God, that we have a, a loving father who invites us to come to him and to take our fears and give them to him and to climb up into his lap and to know that he loves us so much and that we now are sons and daughters of the living King of the Father. But today, I needed to just take one more Sunday to kind of bring to a close, but there's a word that i got to bring in here today because once the gospel works, there's, there's another next step, if you want to put it that way. And it's this idea that God wants to change us once salvation has taken root in our lives. And that word is the theological word, sanctification. But it's it's what God wants to do where we come to know Him more and come to be like Him more. See, He doesn't want us to stay static and we come to faith and and that's it. No, he, He wants to change us in some meaningful ways and and just to introduce it I want to put Ephesians chapter 4 on the screen here just to give some backdrop to it look how it reads there And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. We could put womanhood in there as well. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's really the heart of sanctification. To become Christ-like. And then there's a result. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, there's a reality, though, that I think that we must press into. And it's this, if you're taking the sermon notes there, it says this, a relationship with Christ does not equal maturity in Christ. You can't assume spiritual change and growth just because of a relationship. Now, now, here's where we want to dig into some scriptures here. And I want to put one on the screen from Hebrews 5, this idea that we're, we need to change. God wants us to do more in our lives. Look at Hebrews 5.12. It says this, the writer of Hebrews says, For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now catch that there's a bit of chastisement here going on. Because there's obviously there's been a significant period of time here, and hearts are not changing. Lives aren't reflecting the reality of the salvation, the work of the gospel. People couldn't see Jesus in these lives of these people. They're living in a way that has very little impact in other people's lives. See this, but let, let me show you another scripture. That almost says the same thing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 3. But brothers, could I not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ? I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Now Paul in this one, he writes to this church knowing that they're struggling, but the struggle is is that they're following men instead of Jesus. They're putting their faith in earthly men and not Christ. See, when we look, even as we look back to those images of the bride a couple weeks ago, see, God wants change. He wants us to grow up, but in the picture of the bride, he says it this way, he wants to make us holy, more beautiful, ready for the Savior. See, that's the sanctification again. He wants to change us. He wants us to re, not to remain as we are, but he wants something different from us. Now, Paul uses language that confronts here, and it's kind of negative. I, I recognize that, but you have to go, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and God desires that we then grow up to be sons and daughters who are mature in our faith. To be moving away from childhood. Now, in preparing, as I was doing some studying, looking online at a couple things, and and I came across, um, well, it's an example, but it has to do with kind of a phrase, George Foxworthy. You know that you may be a redneck. Does anybody know those phrases? Um, you can go online to look at some Fun ones. As a matter of fact, I found one. You might be a redneck if you save lots of money on your honeymoon by, by going deer hunting. <laughs> Anybody out there do that? <laughs> but we laughed at those jokes. And I came across that same principle, but this one really isn't all that funny. And it says this, You might be a spiritual baby if you find yourself often fighting with other Christians. You enjoy being the center of attention. You might be a spiritual baby if you're shallow in your knowledge of the scriptures. Or you might be a baby if you are easily offended. Or you are never satisfied and always complaining. Or you have trouble staying clean. Or you become jealous over the success of others. Or you really don't like to be under authority. See, the challenge with these is that they're not funny, but all too often they might be accurate. Last weekend, Deanna and I got a hotel room for uh, my son and his family over at the Timberlake Lodge Hotel there. And they have a really nice pool area, and I put a picture up of that area. This is the the pool. And, And you notice there on the right there's a picture of a little frog there. And the, the the pink there is the water slide where they go kind of go through the frog and they and they go down, and and the oldest two, uh, the youngest two kids, three and four, and and they were just going over and over and over again down that slide. But let me give you a mental picture here from this picture. Imagine this: you, you take your family there someday. And you go into the pool area, and in the pool area, there's only one other person, and it's a six foot five guy. He weighs about two hundred and seventy pounds, and he's in the kiddie pool, and he's sliding down the frog, over and over and over again. And he lays in that about a foot, foot and a half of water, and he's splashing, and he's laughing, and he's giggling. And he asked the question, what's wrong with that picture? <laughs> Would you send your kids in that kiddie pool with them? <laughs> Folks, I think here's the reality. Too many men and women and even teenagers are still playing in the kiddie pool when it comes to the kingdom of God. And too often churches and people within churches are okay with it. And and Paul and the author to the Hebrews is saying, graduate out of the kiddie pool. Move to the deep end. By the way, there's another pool there. You have to be able to swim to go down the other slides. That's what Paul is saying. We are called to mature to get beyond the kiddie pool. Now, years ago, when I was digging into this topic of sanctification and, and the process of transformation, I, I, I don't know where exactly it came from, but it was at a conference or whatever, but there was this grid that somebody introduced me to that really was helpful when you talk about sanctification and its process. And to put that on the screen here, it really gives kind of an intentional process or understanding to changing our faith, to growing up in our faith, to becoming mature. And to say it this way, there's really three parts when you talk about spiritual change. There's the head, and the hands, and the heart. The head is the learning. It's what goes up in here, the knowledge that's needed about the Scriptures. The hands is not physical hands, okay? This is about the ability to apply what we learn to life, to become more like Christ. And the heart centers around the motives, why we do what we do, the capacity to love, where the desires come from. Are they good or they're bad? See, that's really the center of the heart. But when you put these three words over that word, disciple making, or even sanctification, it, it's a great tool to remind us of the different components in this process of growing up in our faith. It, it's moving from the kiddie pool to the deep pool. But I want to apply some scriptures here. And I want to layer the head, heart, and hands. And I recognize today is kind of a a mile-high view. Uh, We we could spend a whole series on this. But I want to put Hebrews chapter 5 again back up on the screen. And look what it reads here. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now let me just stop there a second. When we hear the word teachers, we go right away to a classroom or to a Bible study. And that's not what he's talking about here. This is the ability to communicate the Word of God into life. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the Word of Righteousness since he is a child. Now, an application here. Number one, if you're taking notes, I said it this way in in terms of us just reminding of something. and, And I said this time does not guarantee maturity, neither does it guarantee really understanding of the Word of God. See, here were people when it goes, you ought. Obviously, there had been time that had gone by in their lives. Way too much for the writer in Hebrews and and even for for Paul. See, the word wasn't rooted in their lives, it wasn't second nature. They forgot it quickly. See, this implies that, that people hadn't learned the scriptures in a way that was making them become like Christ, change wasn't happening. See, people who stay in the kiddie pool, I I have to say this, oftentimes they just dabble in the Scriptures. And I go, the Scriptures, the Bible, this book is so vital to the process of sanctification. The head, the mind is the source of the Word of God coming into our hearts. And without the Word, there will be no long-term growth. That be on the wall of believing, that's the piece there. I recognize I've said this in different ways, but let me throw this into the relational world. See, how do we love somebody if we don't know them? And how do we know God and the Son and the Spirit if we don't ever open this book? I think, in the relational sense, as a husband, I need to become an expert in understanding of my wife. If I'm going to have a healthy marriage, a good relationship, I need to be able to anticipate her needs, to present her complete in Christ. I need to know what encourages her, what discourages her. I need to know how to love her well. See, that's understanding, and there's a level of knowledge, if Deanna was sitting here, that I need to know about her to actually then take the next step and put it into action. But are we bringing the Word to our minds in the pursuit of Christ? See, if one doesn't really care about the Word, and one doesn't care about growing in it, or even the knowledge that we need, it will impact your life. Matter of fact, one of the things that it impacts is you just have no discernment as to really what's going on in your life and your soul. It will impact the way we parent our kids to influence people. The development of our heart, our motives toward people. This word is transformative in our hearts. We need to know Christ through the word. Over the years, I've seen this where people can have great passion and emotion toward Christ and walking by faith, but if the word isn't rooted in us, it will not sustain over the long haul. But let me show you some consequences back to that Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, then, look at this, so that, Paul writes, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, even those last two phrases... Do we understand that the world, there's schemes out there that are getting us to believe differently than what God desires. The world at times, if we don't learn, the reason of the world sounds attractive. And yet it doesn't fall in with what God's heart is all about. Do we catch that? See, if faith is not growing... If we're not moving beyond children in our faith, emotions overpower and they rule. And life continues to go this way and that way. There's no stability. There's no anchor to the soul with the relationship with God. And what people do is they walk by sight, not by faith. But let me move on here a second. Now, we're, Again, this is mile high. I realize this. But I've got to give you an opinion here. Here's what I believe. I'm 59. I've grown up in a church just like this. I've been in a church like this all my life. And I believe that the emphasis, at least in the churches that I've attended, the emphasis on the Word has been really good and solid. But that, but there's been a lacking component to it as I look back. And it has to do with the hands and the heart. And, and let me show you why the hands part. Now again, it's not physical. this is spiritual. It goes beyond just knowledge. It has to get to the issue of skill and using the word. Um, let me put Hebrews 5:12 on. You'll, you'll see that it's actually four. it should be five there. It says this for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Uh, let me apply it, number two, for your notes. For the hands, we must become skilled in spiritual wisdom and application from the Word. We must be able to apply it. Apply it to a relationship, even walking with Jesus. And somehow I believe that it's a missing piece in discipleship. And folks, this isn't about becoming a theologian. And I think that's what some people think at times. Because, but I would say this, sometimes I know people who figure out theology and they can figure out the meaning of the text and, and go deeper in that way, but they are never able to apply it to their lives. Because you can have correct doctrine and have little ability to make it happen that actually makes a difference in your own lives and the lives of other people. So the hands, in one sense, is also about the power of discernment there. The ability to assess the situation and to apply God's wisdom and heart to that setting. And you apply it to move people into that relationship with Jesus. That's where we need to handle the Word of God. So the goal is not to become a Bible nerd and debate theology, or how to pronounce Hebrew words. No, this is about the ability and the skill to feed and give life to others. We should be able to come along and teach with words to others that goes beyond knowledge. It's the application. And this includes our children. Or the ability even to feed other adults, to help them Desire Christ more, to help others stay on a path of devotion to Christ. Well, Let me try to give you an illustration. My mom and my dad had a relationship with Christ. They went to church all the time. They were, since they were very little, they modeled love to each other. They understood, I think, the head. They had a good understanding of, of doctrine and knowledge. But what they could not do, as I look back, they really didn't have a great deal of ability to communicate to us as children. I'm going to fast forward to when I'm in my uh, mid-twenties, and Deanna and I are living out in Vancouver, Washington, and we're working in a youth ministry, and we're sitting there as an adult sponsor with 60, 70 other senior high school students and the youth pastor is talking about dating and the wisdom that students who know Christ, he was challenged them, you must be wise. And he did this, he threw missionary dating out the window. Now now catch this, he didn't make it a sin issue, he wasn't legalistic in it. He made it a spiritual wisdom and discernment issue and a devotion to Christ issue. And Deanna and I are sitting there listening, and me in particular, she came to Christ when she was a senior in high school, and I'm sitting there and I go, why did I never hear this either from my home or at the church where I was attending? that playing with fire is really spiritually stupid. And folks, I played with fire. And let me go on to say this. One of my brothers, he played with fire in this area, and he got torched. He married an unbeliever. He violated the command to be unequally yoked with a believer, unbeliever. And he paid for it, and he's still paying for it almost his whole life. See, this is about the application, the skills needed to teach spiritual wisdom and the ability to discern and the ability to come alongside of others, including our children, And help them apply the scriptures to their lives that it affects their relationship with Jesus. Can we do that? Now, there's a question I've thrown out in different groups over the years. And here's the question. I threw it out to some guys that I'm meeting with. And I said this. If somebody brought you an 18-year-old person and they're really green in their faith, And I said, go disciple them. So for women, if it would be a young woman, man a man. I said, go disciple them. Where would you start? What are the steps that you would put in place? What would you do? What would you do with the head? What would you do with the hands? And what would you do with the heart? To help that person become devoted to walking and following Jesus. Can we do that? See, the question is about helping and the wisdom and the hands to disciple other people. And parents, I remind you this, if you can't answer that question right now, someday your kid is going to be 18, and then what are you going to do? And I go this, parents, discipleship doesn't start at 18. It starts the moment they start talking and they understand your conversation with you. And everybody is discipling. And then the question is, what are we making the disciples of? Is our children becoming disciples of Christ or us as parents or who or what? See, we're all doing it and then we look at that 18 at with a teenager and go can your 18 year old son or daughter turn around and disciple somebody else see that's the call let me put a phrase again on the screen from Hebrews this is 5 it says 4 again but it's 512 says this, the powers of discernment train by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. See, the result of training with wisdom and practice and developing the hands is that one begins to discern what is really best. Not just average or terrible, it's going farther, and we can put that into practice with people, with our children, to help and teach others. Hear the lies; it's it's teaching ones to be able to discern the voices of the world out there and go wrong. And it becomes to us quickly, and we go something's wrong with that, and we're able to walk side of some along somebody else and help them see that as well. See, are we doing that? Can we do that? That's the, the emphasis of Paul and the writer to, to the Hebrews saying we must grow up and go behind the kiddie pool. But there's a third area called the heart. And, and folks, this is the most challenging area. It's an area that boy, we must depend on the Holy Spirit and we must not block His voice. Let me jump back to Hebrews 4. I want to put this verse on here. And look what it shows here. It shows our motivation piece here. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and the spirits of joints and of marrow. The power of the word there. But look at this. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of The heart. The thoughts and the intentions. This is about the motivation of our hearts. And it is the most challenging. Man, if you're a parent, this is the hard one. Let me give you number three. We must grow. And as parents, this is us. We must grow in our dependence on the Holy Spirit to grow a heart that loves God. This is about pressing and depending and trusting the Holy Spirit to change us. It's about inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives in such a way that He's shaping us. Yes, we still have to have knowledge and we still have to have the skills of discernment. But if you only have those two and we don't have our hearts changing... I'll tell you this, it will not last. See, unless we align our hearts with the Spirit and our hearts are generating action and generating love, it won't last. The Holy Spirit has to work in us to love God, to love other people, to love our neighbors. And it starts with a dependency on the Holy Spirit to change us It's getting on our knees and saying, God, reveal to me what's keeping me from my motives changing. That's the heart. We have the knowledge, but the motives can be ugly if we want to stop and look in a mirror. And how do we do it? I think oftentimes it's a surrender to God and asking Him to God. Lord, search our hearts. I think of David's sin when he goes, God, search me and know my ways. See, that's where it starts. And there's a verse that I would encourage you to pray. I want to put it on the screen here, Philippians 1.8. I use it in counseling all the time because I think it's so relevant. Look how it goes. For God is my witness. Now he's praying for this church. And it gives this, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. There's a dependency on Paul to love this church because of the Holy Spirit there. And it's my prayer, so he's praying for them, that your love, look at this, may abound more and more. That's the heart. But with knowledge and all discernment, and look what the result is. So that you would approve what is excellent. Here's the hands. And so you would be pure and blameless. A changed life. For the day of Christ, when we union, when the bride comes together with the groom. And we're beautiful. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. not that a great verse? See, we must invite the Holy Spirit to be pouring His love into us. We need to pray for that every day. That our motives would change. And it's not just an act of the will. There has to be a union with the Holy Spirit in order for that to work. We must pay attention to the heart and allow the Word and the Spirit to be a mirror to us needing to change our motives. But let me just close them over with a reminder. When it comes to knowledge, none of us will ever be 100% competent in this area, in the head. I'm going, every one of us has room to grow when it comes to the scriptures and knowing them. And, And there's lots of people that I've seen over the years in the adult area where they plateau Yeah, they keep doing a little devotional, but they don't really dig to get to know God. And folks, I challenge you to dig. But this is also true. Nobody will ever be fully competent when it comes to the hands, the skill of wisdom and living out the knowledge. There is always the need to learn, to apply knowledge when walking with another person, to help another grow in maturity. I think of parents and grandparents. If you think you've learned enough in the area of parenting, you're already in trouble. Because the next stage, there's going to be adjustments and the world changing. There's adjustments. And there's books that you should read on parenting to grow in the ability to parent your children. Marriage is the same way. We must grow in our skills and understanding. And then for the heart, we will never be at a place, I can tell you that, where our motives are going to be pure. There's always that flesh side of us that's, that's calling us to be back down to play in the kiddie pool. But the Spirit wants to work in us to grow our ability to love, to grow in the ability to have grace, to grow in our motives and our desires, where we want to want to make a difference in people's lives and in our spouses and in our children. See, I think here's the challenge. When you think of what's the enemy within a church of all three of those, and I think it's this, complacency. Complacency in a relational walk with Christ in head, heart, and hands will always lead to a hard heart. I think always. Always. I think I could prove that in the Scriptures by looking at different people. We must move beyond complacency. You see, God wants more than just being saved. He wants us to grow up to have a life that's giving, of making disciples, of growing in our salvation, of allowing the gospel to capture us. So, we handle the deep things in a way that we can pass them on to others. And it's about responding to this world with love and with wisdom and making a difference. See, there are people in our world that God is calling us to feed, to love, to care for, to disciple, to nurture. And we go, are we fulfilling that role? And when we don't grow spiritually, listen, then it's not just a matter of our own malnutrition. Do we realize that when we're malnourished, it impacts other people that God wants us to serve and come alongside? See, people may be starving spiritually because we haven't grown enough to feed them i got to stop. What I want to do, I want you to stand. We're going to pray, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray this prayer, Philippians 1.8. Just join with me and stand. And would you just, you can even look at that as I pray. But this would be a prayer that you could pray for yourselves, for your family. And I want to pray it for us in closing today. Let me do that.